Welcome to This Week in Craft Beer, the podcast, the weekly show where we interview the people making the magic happen in the UK craft beer scene, sponsored by Them That Can, the premier mobile canning service in the UK. This Week in Craft Beer publishes the UK's leading craft beer newsletter every Monday morning by email. To subscribe for free, please visit www.thisweekincraft.beer. This Week in Craft Beer would like to thank our generous Patreon supporters, John Stevens, Angela Peterson, Nick Flynn, Jamie Ramsey, Sue Johnson, Steve Hartley, Jazz Hundell, Phantom Brewing Company, Dolphin Brewery, Becky Bentley-White, Bayonet Brewing Co., Ryan Charlton, The Paper Mill Micropub, Doug Thayer, Sarah Allmark, The Sociable Beer Company, and The Small Batch Brewing Co., I'm delighted to welcome to the podcast this evening, Sean from Assembly Brew Co. based in Stockport. Assembly started life as a bottle shop and tap room in the Ermston suburb of Southwest Manchester in 2018. And in the midst of the COVID pandemic in early 2021, they decided to double down and launch their own brewery based in Spur Mill, just outside Stockport. Sean, please introduce yourself and tell us about your beer journey, which led you to launching Assembly. Hi, Rob. I'm Sean from Assembly Brew Co. Yeah, so I suppose... The start of the story is probably quite similar to a lot of people that you've spoken to on the podcast. So early 2012s, we started drinking different types of beer, yep. kind of exploring things a little bit more. Predominantly before that, it was probably student bars and, you know, Alka Pops and lagers and started getting into... The cheapest casting. bang for your buck at those times. Well, exactly, yeah. yeah it's all about, yeah, it's mo- yeah, exactly, bang for your buck. So got into cask beer a little bit just before 2012. And I think it was my dad got me a camera membership. Nice, yeah. Um, so started going to the sort of Winter Ales Fest in Manchester, kind of exploring a few different bars kind of on the what we would call the Ale Trail from Manchester over to sort of Huddersfield Leeds kind of way. Nice, yeah. And then probably dipped our toe into the water going into the likes of Port Street Beer House. Mm. Uh, they'd obviously not long opened, no. uh, or they'd been open a little while at that point. And yeah, didn't really get involved in the keg stuff too much. More stuck to the cask. Wasn't right. quite sure about the keg side. Kind of the cask felt quite comfortable. Yep. And kind of on a weird kind of tangent we um me and my um fellow co-founder of the brewery scott we started getting involved in food and drink okay so one of our first gigs was a pop-up at port street beer house so we oh, were selling hot dogs in their backyard at um what was an ipa day event in 2012 fairly sure it was august 2012 right and mm-hmm. um, crazy busy evening kind of sold out of all our food in a couple of hours and the guys obviously were buzzing that it had been so popular mm. and kind of just brought us out some beers. And I think one of them was a black IPA from Summer Wine Brewery. Okay. And, mm-hmm. and I'm fairly sure there was a, might have been a Magic Rock High Wire, um, right. possibly. And just completely different to anything that we would kind of drunk before. Even yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. The flavours were just crazy. And kind of turned into a, right, well, we're going back to Port Street every week, every other week to do these events. Let's try some more beers while we're there. Going on weekends with our mates and try different beers, and then the kind of keg, the keg side of thing opened up. Yep. And at that point, I don't think there was loads and loads of kind of no. kind of breweries that you'd stick a pin in now to say keg. That's a keg brewery. No, there was uh, there was a few in the London area, probably not so many actually in the northwest at that stage, were they? Because it was such a you know, it still is a traditionally such a strong cask market that. I don't think the you know what you might call the modern craft beer scene opened up in Manchester until maybe a year or two later than that, did it? Yeah, no, I think you're probably right, and it, it sort of came to a point where I was then sort of seeking out beers from American breweries. Yeah. So going to um, any that few, there was a, only a few kind of bottle shops that I can remember being around Manchester at the time, right? And just kind of buying beers and trying different things. 
And then the homebrewing sort of thing kicked in. Okay. Um, and me and a friend decided to, you know what, let's bite the bullet. Let's spend a couple of hundred quid on some homebrew kit. Kind of see how we get on. Right. Um, and it was, I get, we enjoyed drinking those beers. Our friends enjoyed drinking those beers. That's the kind of tale, you know. And through the street food side of things that we were doing at the same time, we started getting involved in some events. And there wasn't a great deal going on in Manchester at the time around the street food scene. So right. we started throwing our own events. Okay. So we were hosting events and setting up temporary, you know, in car parks or you know, disused spaces. And got to the point where we found a space to do like a 12-week event. So it's the most time we've ever been in one location. It was normally one evening. My kind of side of things was, although I was trading there as a food trader, I took care of the bar situation. So I was looking right. for breweries around the northwest and the uk that kind of sold really good craft beer and what year was that sean that would have been 2013 2014 oh. mm-hmm. yep so yeah my side of that deal was right i will find the breweries and the beers that we we want to stock yep so me and a friend were just like well wait a minute we've got a bar that we can sell beer on we've been home brewing for a while why don't we brew like a house beer for the event so we've got a you know we can brew 20 kegs of beer and we can go and gypsy brew at a brewery and we've got somebody to buy all that beer right away because I nice. can buy it for yeah, the event. Yeah. So we kind of went and did that. Nothing too crazy. We brewed like a sort of Anchor Steam style beer. So right. it was kind of, it catered to the predominantly what at the time would have been mainly a non-craft beer crowd coming in. So but it you obviously kind of did like, a good enough job of it that you could sell it. Um, yeah, it sold, yeah, it sold really well. And right. I think all of our friends really enjoyed it. And it was we sold all those kegs through that event. So but as these things happened, other things take over. We were involved in the food side. The drink side kind of fell by the wayside a little bit, but it was always kind of there in the background. So, you know, right. carried on home brewing, but the, the food side of business kind of took a precedent and we kind of moved forward with that. Mm-hmm. But then, like we say, the assembly opened in 2018, got back in really into the, obviously we're still drinking loads of craft beer yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> and brewing uh, when we could. And... Yeah, skipped forward a few years and we were looking for a point of difference for our bar. We wanted to do yeah. something. We had an upstairs space we were going to expand into and it was we can use it all for seating or we can use it for something else as well. The idea originally was let's put a kitchen upstairs. We're involved in food. Yeah. We can put a kitchen in. We can put some small plates on that pair really well with beer. Yeah. And then it kind of rolled around to the pandemic kicking in and we were like, well, you know, let's just put a pin in that again and yeah. we'll let's just have a real good chat about things and work out what we want to do. And we just came to the decision that that's not something that's different. You know, we've got these loads of bars around us and, you know, the greater Manchester area and the country that, you know, yeah. do decent food and really good beer. No, oh, sure. What can we do that's a little bit different? So, you know, we could always invest a little bit in what is currently a homebrew setup that I've got. And we can stick it in the bar, you know, buy some nice, shiny stainless steel, couple of hundred litre vessels, and yep. we'll have a little nano brewery yeah. on the first floor of our bar. And mm. that we can brew a couple of kegs a week and sell them through the bar. It's a nice point of difference. Sure. And then as a weird kind of twist, we were thinking, you know, when you dial down into the numbers, you're spending the money on it, you're putting the time in and having to pay somebody to brew that beer or me brewing that beer myself. It's taking time away from other parts of the business. Sure. The numbers just didn't stack up for us to be able to do it. So as we do, we're like, well, let's just get a bigger brew kit. You know, we, we need to brew more beer to make to make the numbers work. Let's yep. find a bigger kit. So as I, I've always done since I started kind of home brewing and having the dream of opening a brewery, you know, I'm on CBA classifieds quite often, just looking out <laughs> and see if anything 
comes up. <laughs> yep. I'm on the Facebook pages, craft brewers pages. Yep. I'm just kind of like, just keeping my eye out for anything that kind of comes up. And we initially kind of settled on, you know, let's get something that's two and a half to five barrel. Okay. It will mean that we can brew beer for the bar. We might have a little bit left over to be able to sell to trade. At that stage, you were still thinking you could put it upstairs in the assembly bar. Well, or... if we'd have got if we'd have got something maybe two and a half, we could have yeah. you might be able to squeeze it in. But we were then th- small little unit somewhere, you know, maybe a thousand twelve hundred square foot. It's all enough space, and we'll do that. Lost out on a few kits, maybe about like thirty minutes. Just we've contacted uh, people, yeah. we're like try and make the decision. Do we go for it? And then by the time you push the button, it's someone's left a deposit, and that maybe happened <laughs> two or three times. And I just said, you know what, let's just put a message out on the Craft Beer Brewers page on Facebook. Just explain what we're looking for. If anybody's thinking of expanding in the next six, eight, nine months, mm-hmm. you might have a buyer for your kit. Let us know. Drop us a DM. And nice angle, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah, just we were in a rush. We wanted to take our time and find the right thing and not spend too much money or not spend too little money and be kind of chasing things in between. Yeah. Luckily for us, one of our like really good regulars at the bar is um, Gaz from Pomona Island. Right. The first person to inbox me was Gaz, and he just, I, you know, I won't use the exact wording that he used, but he said, you know, our um, our well loved kit is going to be up for sale very soon. So nice. yeah. if you're interested, you know, you probably won't find a cheaper kit for the same size. Whatever you need hmm. to go with it, we can point you in the right direction. If you want to come and check it out first, or come in and do a brew day with us. You know, whatever you want to do, Fantastic. You know, we'll help you out where we can, which is nice. kind of like yeah. the way these things work, I suppose. Yeah. And it was 10 barrel, so it was double the size we were looking for. Right. But I bet you're glad but, you got it You got it at that scale now, aren't you? you know, so. Yeah. I think, again, it's probably something to talk about later, but one of, the, one of the best tips was just whatever you're planning, just get something that's bigger. Yeah. And the, the kit was like the first thing, and it was like, right, you know what? For the money, we can make it work. Just mm-hmm. the only trouble we've got now is, We've lined up a few units for our small kit. Yeah, not <laughs> going to fit the 10 barrel, no. No, we now need a bigger site. So we spent the next few months, again, similar story. Everyone's got the same stories, I suppose. You find a unit you really like, you lose it at the last minute. Yeah. To the point that we found a unit that we really loved. We were told on a Friday, it's yours. Uh, just we'll type some loose ends over the weekend, and then we'll talk about it on Monday. To the point that we were due to move in on the Monday under a license just while the lease was sorted out because mm. we had wanted to move in unfortunately the letting agent it was like a multi-agent deal so there was two agents looking after it but what happened over the weekend was the kind of industrial state managers had somebody to come and do a viewing and he's just signed him up to a quick 12-month lease on the spot and we were like you know we were we got literally spoke to the guys at Pomona we were picking the kit up the next week we were moving in and but again weird twist of fate sometimes these things work out for the better in the long run we put some feelers out on twitter we got loads of responses from kind of manchester breweries that have recently been looking at spaces or had just moved and we got put in touch with somebody who'd already shown us around a few units previously okay he just thought the site that he had in stockport was too big for us and we were like well it's a few grand more than the places we've previously been looking at and it is double the size okay but again just get somewhere bigger if your budget can allow get somewhere as big as you can afford to get yeah and we literally walked through the doors and we were like right you know there's a few little loose ends to deal with on the lease side but don't show anybody else this space we want this space fantastic and yeah a few months later we moved in mm-hmm. um, and yeah it's been it's been a tough time to open a brewery obviously but we knew what we were doing when we got into that we knew the, the climate around doing it mm-hmm. And the first beers have gone down really well. The feedback's been great. 
Um, we've started, obviously, we're going to talk about the first beer soon. But we, we started, are, very soon. We started canning already, which was kind of a big part of the plan. Nice. Uh, and yeah, we've got, hopefully, got some exciting things to come over the next sort of 12, 18 months as well. That's brilliant, Sean. So you're just to the north. Uh, so I, I am somewhat familiar with the uh, geography of Stockport, purely from craft beer perspective, actually, because I've, I've stayed at the, it's a Holiday Inn Express right next to the, the railway station, isn't it? The last couple of times I've been up to Manchester events, I've, we've stayed there because it's partly because it's cheap and cheerful, but also because it's super handy for the, the train access into Piccadilly. And, you know, therefore, you know, you're right into the centre in literally 10 minutes, aren't you? So uh, yeah. When we came up for friends and family, which is the last time I'd been to Manchester, we we decided we were going to walk into the city. I think on the on the Saturday morning, so we you know we walked back kind of down the hill from from Stockport Station, and then you're in the shadow of the massive railway viaduct, and that's where you are, isn't it? Pretty much, or yeah, we're we may be from if you're talking centre of Stockport, we're probably a five minute drive. It's a little bit longer to walk because it's yep. gonna get quite hilly. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> But the, the thing that really sold us on the area of we're sort of just outside the centre of Stockport, so we're on the borders of Reddish and the Heatons. Yep. There's a really, really great community vibe around the area. There's nice. a lot of craft beer fans. There's some really good, what I'd call old school boozers and mm-hmm. some newer bars and pubs between Heat and Moor, Heat and Mersey, Reddish, Levenshoe, right. Stockport. And Literally, we didn't realise how many people we knew that lived in that area. And so both of us put a few messages on Facebook and just said, look, we've just seen a space in Reddish. Hmm. What do you think? And these people, I live in Levenshume, it's a 20-minute walk. I live here, I live there. And we were like, we we did not realise that, you know, sometimes Facebook friends aren't best mates, so you don't realise what everyone's address is. But there's just all these people crawling out. And it was like somebody who owns a bar or somebody who works in hospitality in the city centre. And they were just like, we would love something to happen. Fantastic. Something else to happen in the area. And yeah, so we just thought, perfect location. Well, let's talk about this first beer and then come back to specifically the, you know, the setup you've got now at uh, a sperm mill because it sounds really cool. interesting. This is your 4.2% pale ale. It's called My Name is Pam. The tasting notes I have say, grab your best tucks and look sharp. This pale ale has been double dry hopped with a mix of Idaho 7, Cascade and El Dorado both mid and post fermentation all the flavor of a much bigger beer in sessionable form yep excellent pale ale great beer to start the evening or probably drink the same beer all evening quite frankly you know it's obviously a it's aimed at that sessionable market but very much with a no compromise on flavors really nice sort of moderate bitterness to it and yeah lovely punchy fruit flavors i i'm a much bigger fan of idaho seven than some people are i know it's, it's a hop that does get some bad press um, I listened to a podcast in the US actually where they all, all the host, there's four hosts and they all absolutely hate Idaho 7. And I don't get it at all because it's in every other respect, it's a good beer podcast. But I, I don't get why they've got this bee in their bonnet about Idaho 7. I think it's really tasty hop and I'd like to see it a bit more actually. I think, you know, it, it doesn't seem to get used that much, at least in the UK, I don't think these days. But I, I, I really appreciate it. There's probably nice, nice level of bitterness probably coming from the Cascade. Just a nice balance of hops. Um, good beer. What's the background to it from your perspective? Yeah, so I think the the way we look at the schedule of what we're planning on brewing-wise is it's about the sessionability of the beer. Mm -hmm. We've got a bar. We want and we know from people on the other side of the bar that they're looking for predominantly beers that they can have two or three pints of while they have a good chat with the mates. And that's the kind of start point of most of the things that we've got planned for the near future. And that's where this beer came from. So we sort of decided, you know, anything from, we've already done a table beer around 3.2%, anything up to 
maybe five and a half percent is something that I would class as coming in that kind of pint bracket. Sure. Maybe if you've got six and a half, you're kind of looking at pint, maybe a two thirds, yep. depending which way you want to go. And the, the hop combination just felt right. Hops are strange things to people. It's all, and again, anything in beer, it's all about taste. You know, of course it is, yeah. Taste. That's what makes beer so great. Yep. We love Idaho 7. I think it gives the beer something, it really lends something to the beer. Mm-hmm. It was using the dry hop and in the Whirlpool. Okay. Um, and we've got a, we've got a good results from using Idaho 7 in the Whirlpool for the past couple of beers we've brewed. So that was a kind of a no-brainer, right? Let's use that. It's worked before for yep. us and we'll, we'll, we'll use it again. But what we'll do is we'll bring in a couple of different hops that we've not used in beers before or we have used but in different ways right. and then kind of see what happens. Yeah. Let, the yeast, let the yeast do its work. Well, that's the we'll, fun we'll of it, and exactly, in, you know, sometimes adding those hops at different times through the dry hop period or we dry hops mid-fermentation as well. So that kind of brings something else to the beer. And I just think the feedback we've got so far on this beer has been really good from mm-hmm. people in our bar and a few trade places that have already taken it. Yep. We've done a few web store sales. And yeah, I think it really delivers on that. It's got the kind of character of a bigger beer, but in a 4.2 form. But yeah. without going too far, you can go. You know, you can go too far. You can throw too many hops at a four point two percent beer. Yeah, yeah absolutely it stops, right. It stops being sessionable. You <laughs> then don't want a pint of it. You want a third or half of it, and it completely ruins the point of trying to make something that's a sessionable beer. At the that's end a really good point, actually. Yeah, so, and sometimes pushes that price point. Well, of course, far. yeah, exactly. Yeah, which has obviously got to be a factor. It's got to be reasonably priced, hasn't it? Otherwise, you're defeating the object of trying to make it sessionable. It? So. Exactly. I think you say well, there's, a, there's a nice level of bitterness there. You kind of get the citrus. You're getting mm-hmm. a bit of, I think, the kind of the flavour like the most about this beer is when you've stopped drinking it. Mm-hmm. So if you sat in the pub and you're talking to your mates um, or you're talking over like we are now, yeah. that flavour that you've got in your mouth when you stop mm. is kind of like a honeydew melon, like a watermelon-y kind of flavour. Yeah. And that's the kind of lingering taste, and I think that kind of works really well. It's quite subtle, yeah. but again, we're not drinking a double IPA. It's a session, sessionable beer, and yeah, I think I, I love this beer, and there's a few things we've done with this beer that we're doing with an IPA that we're brewing at the moment, and right. the next few pails that we do, we'll, we'll be changing the hops, but we're kind of using a very similar process and just kind of tweaking it and trying to find the sweet spot for it. Right. But yeah, and this is probably, it's difficult to say, it's probably my favourite beer brewed so far, but yeah. then they've all been my favourite beer brewed so far. Yeah, no, it's, well, that's the whole point, I think, isn't it? Is that you're on that journey and hopefully you're, you know, you're honing your craft and every every beer you produce is building on the shoulders of the ones that came before. And that's, that's the exciting part of, about doing what you're doing, I'm sure. Definitely, you know, I'd say we're always trying to make improvements to the beers and otherwise what would be the point? We want the beers to be better and we want people to enjoy them more and more each time and then hopefully they see there's a point in the next 12, 18 months where they see an assembly Bruco beer in the bar and it's a no-brainer. You don't need to reach for and tap on your phone. No, that's, that's what you're beer. trying to get to, definitely. Isn't and, it? You, and you just trust that it's going to be great and mm-hmm. there's loads of breweries that we've enjoyed since that 2012 in Port Street that we can hang our hat on knowing we're going to get a really good beer. Yep. And those breweries change for whatever yep. reason and you find a new brewery that does that for you. But yeah, that's I would love for somebody to just go into a bar and be like, maybe be at the bar myself having a beer and hear mm. someone just go, Stanley Bruco's beers are brilliant like just give me a pint no, yeah that's, that's no, that, that, totally yeah no, i see that you know I, I, it's funny enough i was looking at the tap list um i guess it was from last weekend which i think i saw on instagram or it might have been twitter today and you know you've got i think you got you had four of your own beers on i think 
And then you had uh, Never Known Fog Like It from Rivington, which is a, absolutely one of the best beers come out awesome of the UK guys. in the last 12 months. Yeah. Lovely guys as well. You had Parker from Double Barrel, which is their version of this beer, basically, which is my, lo- my local guys. Absolutely love Double Barrel. That's a great beer, Parker. Um, I'm trying to think what else you had on, but you had four really good guest beers and four of your own. And I was thinking, you know, that's your beers have got to be good to stand up on that tap list and, and people be willing to order them rather than the guests. And so, so you, you know, you're really setting a very high bar for yourself there, but I'm sure you're up to it. But it was just a, you know, I just looked at that and thought, wow, that's a great tap list right there. You know, I eight beers and, I'm, you know, it'd be a pleasure to go through them, I'm sure. Yeah, I think like the, from a customer point of view, we want everybody to enjoy our beers, but mm-hmm. the, the just taste is the thing that sometimes people hate a brewery and they could not like our beers. You know, we can't just have our beers on. We want people to come in and be able to try beers that we really enjoy from other breweries. So oh, yeah. Yeah. it was a Pomona dipper on there as well. Yeah. We had a couple of casks that are on a different board. So the, the yeah, the North, uh, North beer on cask as well. North Atlantic yeah. as well. Yeah. And something from Red Willow. So we're kind of selfish in that regard that we order beers that we like from breweries that we really love ourselves. Yeah. And again, like you say, the proof has been that we're getting, customers coming in that they obviously know us already so because we you know we've worked behind the bar they know our faces yeah they're gonna buy our beers as like a tester like oh the guys have just started a brewery let's try the beers but the test has been that people are coming back for those beers and they're buying yep. them again they're not just buying a pint or a half and then being like oh no maybe we'll stick just, to just out of politeness kind of thing yeah no, yeah <laughs> and it, people seem to really enjoy the beers and Great. i think part of what we want to do going forward is that whole thing of like there's a bit of a community vibe so Ermston's maybe six seven miles away from where we are in reddish but we've got kind of two hubs of people so that when we do eventually open a tap room over at the brewery we're creating a bit of a community vibe around it that people are kind of buying into what we're doing but the most important thing is that it doesn't really matter about us it's how much they enjoy those beers and luckily so far we've been able to make things better each time because we've hit a nice spot with each beer Mm -hmm. and then we've been able to say like right we can make that better by just tweaking this little process and it's obviously it's our bar but mm. seeing our beers on the tap board with those breweries <laughs> and we it's happened with other bars as well that we really yep. look we're selling beer to now and they'll post a picture of the tap board and you know we're in between whether it's drop project or rivington and nice. or yeah. pomona you know it's, it's just breweries that we're like how how are we on the same board as these guys <laughs> but it's, it's you know we've I think we will hopefully get used to that at some point. Yeah, you've earned the right to be there, I guess. It's, the point, it's, exci- it? yeah. it's an exciting thing to see. Like, oh, you know, it is, yeah. I, I, same with you probably interviewing some of the people that you interview on the podcast. It's like, fuck, I'm speaking to... I know, yeah, you've got to pinch yourself like, and think, yeah. Yeah, and I'm like, crap, you know, there's a cloud water bear next to our beer over at Dexter <laughs> Jones or something. It's just like, hopefully that will never get old, but it's um, it's really exciting at the minute. We're selling beer to new bars all the time and, you're like, can I let, I've been in that bar before. They've just ordered beer. Like, this is the best thing ever. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. And I guess as been, I've been part of the industry for nearly a decade now. You know the names of those. There's, you know, and I don't want to understate this, but there's probably 15 or 20 absolutely legendary UK craft beer bars, of which, you know, Port Street is obviously one. And, you know, and I'm not going yeah. to embarrass myself by trying to list some of the others. But, we, you know, you know those names, don't you? And, you know, when one of those orders your beer, I bet you, wow, what a buzz that must be to think that, you know, your beer's being slotted in, you know, alongside the good and the great of uh, of the UK scene. Yeah, brilliant. Um, have you still got a pilot kit or are you brewing new recipes on the 10 barrel now? Yeah, so everything's been brewed in the 10 barrel kit at the moment. We do have plans to get the, we've got like an 80 litre kind of all in one brew kit. Right. So the plan will be at some point this year is give that a good clean up, maybe expand on it a little bit, get a couple of nicer, shinier fermenters for it. Right. 
rather than using the old brew buckets that we used to use and <laughs> create some beers, tr- test beers, so that we yeah. can move to another level of kind of trying things out. And they'll just be taproom beers that we'll just have at the taproom. Well, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, exactly. Because you've got the platform yeah. there, haven't you? To Even if you're only brewing 80 or 100 litres of a beer, you can still be pretty confident you can sell it through. And it gives you the opportunity to experiment where you're not actually risking 10, 10 barrels worth of ingredients and time and uh, you know, on something brand new that you haven't haven't really played with before. Yeah, that is a hell of a jump when you put in your first order of malt and hops and yeast and you used to place <laughs> an order through a website and you maybe spent 100 quid and then you've, you're like, this is a big risk to spend this mm. amount of money on these ingredients and i can well imagine yeah hope you know luckily so far we're quite happy with the products and the customers seem happy with it so mm-hmm. yeah it's um hopefully that gets less scary because every time i hit that pay button <laughs> or get an invoice from somewhere i'm like oh my god this is right we're never, never going to be able to sell it and then of course and then you brew it and it sells out in two days and then you know and you go through that same whole experience again a couple of weeks later yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Never mind. You got to if you know, if you don't doubt yourself, then you you know you're not striving to improve. So I understand that. Um, let's talk about the sperm mill site then. How, how many square foot have you got down there? So it's just under seven thousand square foot. A oh, nice size, yeah, great. We kind of had to change our plan for the space early last minute. So we had a kind of a we'd got a plan, we'd drawn out where everything was going to go. Mm-hmm. We had a few people come in, whether it's the spark or the plumber, and they were like, "That can't go there. This can't go there. That oh, can't yeah. go there either." We we're like, "Right, let's kind of replan everything." Mm. Uh, to be fair we've probably got a bit of a better layout out of it the only kind of issue we've got is when it comes to tap room opening we wouldn't be able to be brewing beer at the same time it's not the space just doesn't work for that so right. we're probably going to be limited to kind of friday evenings saturdays maybe a sunday session at some point which yep. isn't which isn't a huge problem no. um that's probably just right for where we are at the moment and um, we've got the bar over in Emerson well that's well. i was going to say that yeah so you're not like you're desperate to be open seven days a week at the brewery yeah. tap are you? I think it makes it a little bit more special. Our next door neighbours at Spur Mill, are Ventile Brewing Co. Oh. So they're they're a, a, another small brewery, and um, three three and a half barrel kit, and um, it's worked really well for us being next door. They're opening yeah. the tap room already. Perfect. Yeah. No, that's brilliant because then you, suddenly it's not just they're not just coming to you. They're coming to a craft beer destination and can bounce yeah, from one to the other. That's beautiful. Yeah. You've got, any, you've got some outside space as well. There's a courtyard. There are a few other businesses in the space, but we are fairly confident that once, maybe just before summer rolls around when that space will be needing, you know, we would maybe want to use that space. We can can strike a deal over some beers with the rest of the guys to be able to use that space. Usually negotiable, yeah. (laughs) When there's beer involved, there's always a negotiation to be made. So, yeah, I think we'll be fine. We wouldn't want to use the whole courtyard because there are businesses operating but it's just about making the space safe that there's not huge deliveries coming in on a weekend yeah. which generally doesn't happen anyway but no. yeah we just want to make sure everyone's cool with it and we're not kind of disturbing anybody else's business but yeah there's a nice little outside courtyard i say our space is kind of huge the amount of room that we're using in the unit at the moment to brew is tiny compared to the huge space that we've got right it's just more of a situation of when we first did the, we did a bit of a forecast for what we were going to be spending, where the cost of materials has gone through the roof in the last yeah. 12 months. So mm-hmm. we need to make the cold store bigger. We need a bigger cold store anyway, because we've maxed out the space. Right. So we need to make that bigger before we put the tap room in place. So we're then not kind of disturbing things. Sure. Hopefully looking maybe March. We were hoping okay. for mid-Feb, but it's probably going to be some point in March now. Well, look, look, you know, as long as you're open for for the spring summer well, kind of season, it's probably not, you know, not, not. Hopefully, yeah, March March time I think works quite well for us, and it's a great space. It's just a really cool space. We really love it. It's great having Dave from Ventile next door as well because right. if you bounce an idea off somebody, 
you know, I'll pick up the phone and pester somebody at another brewery. You can just be like, no. am I, am I being stupid or am I like, <laughs> and they're like, no, no, you, you, you start, sometimes you doubt yourself when you're kind of brewing solo, or you're working on your own. Yeah. It's great because I think at the minute it's just nice to real dial things in, get used to the kit without having too many people kind of wandering around, yep. making deliveries or coming to try and help. It's just great to be able to dial stuff in. But sometimes you need somebody else who's in the industry who's a brewer to be able to say, what do you think? And sometimes oh, no yeah. do it, don't do it. Super handy. What sort of scale are you you're looking to open up then uh, in, you know, in terms of taps and how many people can you accommodate indoors, do you think? So, yeah, we're going to, once the cold room is uh, extended, we, we're going to direct draw from there. So we can, nice. the, the great thing is we can expand that as we kind of go along. I think we'll probably start off with six taps. Okay. We probably have something on cask as well, mm-hmm. which may or may not be from us. We're going to sort of play around with racking some bits to cask once the tap room is open and just seeing how we get on. The other option is there's just so many good breweries around the Northwest that are brewing really good cask beer. Not short of options there, no. No, so we can kind of rotate things and bring in guest beers as well as we kind of progress along. So I think we've maybe got space for 80 to 100 people. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Uh, We can probably squeeze in more people because the space is big. Again, we, we don't want to run before we can walk. No. And there's no point in us buying lots of furniture to fit 150 people oh in god and people don't ex- just, and people are not going to expect the height of furniture luxury no. are they when they you exactly. know, at least not in the, the early days anyway so no, no don't, I don't, think go, don't go we, um, in that direction we don't mind diy but hmm. we don't want it to be too diy so that's why we're kind of waiting until maybe march to make sure that we can make it on the right side of diy so people still feel comfortable coming in there's got to be some bells and whistles but maybe not to the extent of the the bigger tap rooms around the country which are you know as you've been to them yourself like it's kind of awesome spaces. We, as like I say, as long as we've got a space for people to come in, keep dry, able to get a drink, maybe a street food trader outside in the yard, yep. that's just, that'll be perfect. So I was going to ask you about that. Have you completely knocked the street food on the head now from, from Assembly's perspective? Or you... Yeah, so we've not done the street food thing for a long time. We're involved in food and drink still. We have a bit of an issue during the pandemic with obviously everywhere having to close. Mm. So we, we had a restaurant which we had to close during the pandemic. Oh, and that's a shame. We just operate that as a takeaway now. Hmm. What we actually did was during the first lockdown, when you could reopen, <laughs> after that first kind of lockdown period, the assembly is tiny. It's such a small space. There was no way we'd be able to reopen it and make any money being able to open it and stuff. Not it. table service, and no, no. No. So we had the restaurant space and we were like, look, the takeaway is ticking over. That's doing hmm. absolutely fine. Nice. Let's move the assembly from where it is and put it in another space oh, until okay. we can reopen the assembly. Yep. But the space just didn't work. It wasn't the assembly. Like it's just it's, a, it's got a vibe of its own. These right. you know the small kind of craft beer bars, bottle shops. They've got a totally different vibe to a yeah, space of yeah. hundred people, maybe even you know two hundred people. There's just it's just totally different. Mm. So what we did with the restaurant was we went takeaway only, and we opened kind of a new kind of bar for us, and it was more lager based. So it was, it's still in Ermston. It's more on the main street, and it predominantly sells kind of European lagers. There's the odd little craft tap there. So we have like, you know, some Daya bits and we have some Pomona bits and we okay. now have Art Bears on there as well. Yeah. Predominantly, it's really, really good German lagers, a few lagers from the UK. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. And our beers are just in there as like a, a nice little extra for people. Yeah, just round out the range, yeah. Yeah, you know, as you get, you you go out with mates and they don't want to drink craft beer. No. So we did, we kind of designed that on the idea of, right, let's not open a craft beer bar. Right. Let's open like a lager-based bar. Yeah. And we'll have a few craft options for the yeah. 
the craft heads that are being you know dragged to the lager bar but more, main, rather, more main, mainstream bar but selling good quality lagers yeah, yeah, yeah. completely the opposite way around you know when mm. you go out of, you, when you're trying to drag your friends around craft beer bars who aren't into craft beer and there's one mm. lager they can drink yeah you get a bit pissed off because they've not got the one the lager that they like the only yeah. lager that they like we, we thought you know what let's do it the opposite way around mm. really good craft beers on that keeps those guys happy and yeah. then we're kind of shooting to lager larger audience with the kind of lager style stuff that we do as well. So yeah, nice, nice approach. Not one that, I, to be honest, I've come across very much. There's definitely mileage in that. Yeah. It, it was fortunate that we had that space because the assembly mm. had fallen by the wayside in that time. So that yeah. kind of kept things alive. So that when we could reopen, we were in a position that we were able to get the doors back open and not just hand the keys back to the landlord. So. Yeah, you just have to do what you need to do, haven't you? The last two years, isn't it? You know, you needed to be thinking on your feet at every stage but yeah exactly so you guys are coming out of it in uh, in really good shape let's take a short break sean this week in craft beer is sponsored by them that can the premier mobile canning service in the uk them that can deliver the machinery labor materials and most importantly the expertise to achieve a professionally canned product that keeps their clients happy for more information about how you can get started with their amazing services, please visit www.themthatcan.com. So I'm back with Sean from Assembly Bruco for the second half of the show. Sean, let me ask you, what makes you different? I'm always curious to find out from the guest how it is that they're positioning themselves to stand out in what is a crowded UK craft beer scene these days. Yeah, it's a great question. I do listen to the podcast. It's probably my favourite one to listen to what other people's <laughs> kind of things are because it's there's got to be kind of something different about everyone's brewery. And all those, some of those things are kind of similar and the same. There's, there's a point to them. And I think ours is, coming from a bar background, is that we have approached things at the moment just purely based on, on that. So yeah. I look at what our customers like and what they want and the kind of things they drink the most of. So as I mentioned before, the kind of start idea to the majority of the beers that we're brewing at the moment is that it's going to go into a glass that is two thirds or bigger. Right. Because as a bar, I like taps to rotate often because I know customers enjoy that. Totally. Because, yeah. Makes sense. Because they want that kind of fresh beers, fresh ideas, new things. Our beers are slightly different because when we have a beer on tap, it will generally be on the taps for a month, six weeks at the moment between batches of beers being ready. Yep. And people have got, on the flip side of that, people have got to enjoy it enough to keep on coming yeah. back and buying those yeah. pints. Just to be clear, that's multiple kegs, obviously. I'm not talking yeah, about... Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, I yeah, knew that we, was we, the case, but I just wanted to really <laughs> highlight that for... for... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, we package all our beers for our own bars in 50s just because yeah. it's more economical than using the throwaways. So, yeah, we're sending multiples of those over each week, sometimes yeah. emergency runs to go and grab beers if you've had a bit of nice. a crazy busy week, <laughs> uh, which, again, is always good to see. But it's, yeah, it's about shifting those pints. And coming from that point of view, I know that a lot of, I can't be the only bar owner who feels like that buying beer. So there are other bars around the country who are saying, you know, it's nice to have an Imperial Stout on the taps. It's nice to have, a, you know, tipper, a dipper, some sort of crazy, crazy sour or whatever it might be, some like crazy adjunct beer. They're brilliant. I love buying those beers as well. But as you know from going to tap rooms, they're generally the thingy to the rule, you know, the, the, the few and far between. You might have one of those beers on tap and yep. then you might have 19 other beers that are more sessionable or 
you know, whatever yeah, it might, might be. two and 18 or three and 17, but, yeah. but no, yeah, yeah, that sort it, of ratio. It's a yeah. good mix, but your ratio is generally always going to be six and a half or lower is going to take up the majority of those taps. Sure, no question. And what we want to do is push that. You go to the pub or to a bar, and if especially if it's your local, you go there to spend a few hours in there. You generally, you know, you might be going to meet friends and you're going to socialise and we're designing beers, whether it be, you know, a pale or a sour or a stout. It's all around sitting and dwelling for a few hours in a bar and maybe you're drinking that same beer multiple times and you're going to be drinking pints of it. And you're going to get, you're going to enjoy it, but it's going to, it's not going to get in the way of the conversation, I think. Yeah, no, definitely not. And I think, you know, some, you know, beer can be really, really tasty and it doesn't have to invoke a thing where everyone sits there and discusses what that beer is like. Sometimes you're just enjoying it. And what it tastes like is it tastes great, but we're not going to have a discussion about that. You know, we might do that here. And if you go out with a few like real craft beer heads that are your mates and you might try each of us beers, maybe pre-COVID, maybe you're not sharing glasses these days, but you know, you're kind of sampling different bits and that's really fun. But yeah. the majority of the time we're in the minority the in, in getting, getting that, that deep with it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And even in with us, like we will do that with certain mm. friends. But the majority of the time we go to the pub, you might say, really tasty. It's the last thing you'll say about that beer for the whole 30 minutes that you're drinking it. Yeah, you're talking and about then, the football, you're catching up, you're talking about work, yeah, whatever, yeah. you know, whatever else, you know, you're talking about life, aren't you? It doesn't have to be about the beer all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's, you know, you can get, I did earlier last week, I was drinking a 4% beer from somewhere, but say where. No. And, it was really tasty. Don't get me wrong. It tasted great. It was 4%. Lovely. Yeah. But it tasted like a dipper. Blimey. It tasted like a double IPA, <laughs> which, you know what? You know, you pick your phone and go on untapped and the ratings for it are crazy. Everyone's loving it. But for me, that, that but again, this is why beer is great. My opinion mm. is like a 4% beer shouldn't taste like a dipper. No. You want loads of flavor out of it. So maybe it doesn't traditionally taste like a 4% lager. Yep. But it's not going to. It's a pale ale. It's got a load of hops in there. It's going to taste really good if it's if it's well brewed. Yeah, we're just trying to find that spot where people want to drink pints of it. You, I don't want somebody to buy one of our beers and see it's four point two percent and go and grab a pint and drink half of it and say I couldn't drink another pint. No, of that. there's too not, much going on there. I can't. Yeah, yeah I can't. Not because it, it's yeah. not great. You know, you can think it's great and not want another pint of it. But That's we very want true. people yeah. to grab our beers and say I'm getting another pint of that. I don't even want to try one of the other beers in the. No, bottom. no, yeah, I'm not not done with this one yet. Yeah, no, I need, need, need um, to have another one. Yeah. yeah. And then the other one is like I think with having the brewery in one location and we've also got a couple of bars in another ta- another town, not although not too far away from each other not the easiest of places to get to from one to the other on public transport. So no. you're not only get too many like sort of people going from one to the other, but it's about creating a bit of a community around what we're trying to do. So we want, and we found it already. We're getting a lot of local bars and bottle shops taking our stock, which is great. Mm-hmm. And the local people in Reddish and the heating areas and Ermston are really getting behind what we're doing and they're buying our beers for takeouts from the local bottle shops or from our bars. People are coming down to the brewery to grab beers on the odd occasion that we kind of open on a weekend for people to pick up. And it's, I think it's really important for us and probably any new brewery, but I only can look in what we're doing yeah. is creating like a core customer base around the people who live as local to the brewery as possible. Definitely. We don't know which way beers go in with some of the things that are being talked about with regards to cans possibly incurring extra charges for, you know, one of the, the new rules that are kind of been looked at. And a lot of breweries talk about the American model which is, I love that idea, but I think a lot of places in the States don't have the bottle shop culture that we have in the UK. No. 
kind of a little bit more difficult. But what we're finding is that we have got already like a core range of bars and bottle shops that always buy our beers. Nice. We've got a core range of people that we know from check-ins on whether it's Instagram or Twitter or Facebook or just getting a WhatsApp message from a mate saying, mm-hmm. I'm in the magnet in Stockport, they've got your beer on board, it tastes banging. Nice. We're getting that kind of core of people that hopefully build us up a little bit and we've got the foundations there too, sending beer elsewhere in the country because we've kind of got a local market of people who really love what we do. Yeah. And I don't think necessarily Manchester or Stockport or Urmston are the epicenters of people wanting to drink pints in the country. Mm. I think that kind of lends into it as well is that there's breweries that I love drinking beer from that predominantly brew really strong beers, right. but I've not necessarily got like a brand association with them. Like mm. I wouldn't necessarily see if they had a, a 4% beer on somewhere, I wouldn't necessarily go for it and be like, give me a pint. Because I know that brewery is doing crazy. Imperial yeah, you, you know, you're looking for imperial stouts from that brewery, or, or, or as yeah. you say, dippers and tippers. So that you know, you're not necessarily going to reach for a four percent beer if you see one from from that brewery. No, I totally understand that. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully that kind of drives things for us. Is I mean, you know, we say that, but we've got a, we've got a goes. We've got two beers in tank at the minute mm-hmm. that are a little bit stronger than a few bits we've brewed already. But again, we're kind of tackling things from that point of I personally want it to go in a pint glass. Yep. You, you want beers that sell and i think well, that, the, the drinkability is like again it's one of those terms that kind of a cringe when i say it myself or i hear people say it but there's, i don't know any other way to say it it's no. you know, the drink's got to be drinkable it's got to be attractive for somebody to buy another one and yeah. i think we are kind of in a bit of a a weird place at the moment within the industry where the new beer is the thing so you you won't try a beer more than once but i do think that's going to kind of it will kind of come full circle a little bit and those although we can't brew a core range at the moment because we want to try different hops and we want to experiment with malt combinations and think and different yeasts in the next 18 months i would want to be in a position where we have maybe two core beers that we brew all that we've always got ready all the time for people because it's that kind of brand association that you know yeah. that is going to be great you know you, and there's breweries in manchester that do it whether it's you know pomona with factotum we have a lot on all the time at one of our bars right whether it's tracks and oh, yeah. Manchester, like you could, as a brewery, you dream of people talking about your beer the way that people talk about Traxanoma. Totally, yeah. Just, yeah. So that's, yeah, I think that's kind of, it's not so it makes us different, but I think as a focus, I think sometimes you can get lost in, you know, I would go in the brewery tomorrow and brew like a crazy dipper with this, that and the other, or brew like a real adjunct heavy imperial stout. But as a bar owner, I'd be cursing myself by doing that because I, I wouldn't be able to shift that beer as fast as I can shift kind of pintable drinkable really good six percent or less beers mm. like i think that's that's probably going to be our focus for quite a while although i do keep on getting messages off mate saying right you, you've got these two new ipas in tank at the minute when's the dipper coming and i'm like <laughs> it will it will happen <laughs> but you know let's just kind of find our feet a little bit more we need a bigger audience for our beers to brew yep. those beers because we want them to in camp one day and pretty much all be sold by the week or the following week sure, to make absolutely. sure those beers are getting yep. out as kind of fresh as possible you'll get a little bit more life out of something a little bit more sessionable mm. it'll kind of definitely um be a bit more stable in well that's um, a good point shops. as well yeah so you know you're not under pressure to, to shift it in a week or two but i mean hopefully yeah. you do still but yeah we're, we're shifting beer we're happy with the rate that we're selling beers a um, couple of thoughts on what you just said there sean i think you know you guys obviously have a very interesting perspective on this having been bar owners for years and only recently brewery owners so that gives you a probably more of an appreciation of the drinking public than 
most brewery owners, you have obviously got a very good perspective on how quickly beer styles sell because you're presumably pouring from time to time imperial stouts and, and double ipas but also pouring a lot of session beers in the bar and so presumably you've you, you've got a sense of obviously it partly depends upon the the crowd pleasing nature of the brewery and the particular beer but but you know all things being equal how long does it take to sell a keg of dipper compared to a keg of a 4.2 percent pale you know what's the ratio it must be a, is it a two to one three to one turnover of yeah, I'd say I'd say maybe the three to one, or possibly mm-hmm. sometimes pushing even a little bit more. Wow. I mean, we're only in a, you know we're in a town of maybe kind of the Urmston area is comprised of quite a few towns, but say there's like thirty five thousand people in the local area as to where we are that could maybe easily travel to our bar mm-hmm. by foot or maybe a couple of stops on the bus or whatever. We can have a keg of something that's like three point eight percent to four point five percent that will shift in three hours if right. it's a really popular beer the most popular of dippers it might be a week would be the fastest it would take to go through oh, that is that right wow um, yeah and again i don't think that's necessarily like country wide mm. I, I talk to people who've got bars who i remember we had a keg of um mad hatter was one of the first um yeah takeovers we had at our bar and we had tzatziki sour on and I ended up having to pull that off because it was just on for far too long. Mm. And I spoke to somebody else at the bar and they were like, we sold that keg in four hours. And I'm like, where, where wow. are these people? Yeah, from? yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, that's just the difference in demographics of the areas in which you are. So I imagine the Verdant Putty launch over the weekend, probably most bars probably sold that out in four or five hours. Yeah, so I'm sure they would have done, yeah. It just, like you say, it just depends on the brewery, the beer, the time of year, and who's out drinking that week, which is so difficult to gauge at the God. moment. <laughs> it's, just, it's just crazy. Um, yeah. Sometimes we're having like storming weeks on cask and we're selling loads of cask, and in other weeks we're tipping cask away. I think at the moment it's just more difficult to gauge these things because we don't know who's comfortable coming out and who's comfortable no. staying in. Whereas, you know, if you were a brewery that had been around five years up until the pandemic, you could probably put your house on this is how many kegs of beer we're going to sell next week or the week yeah. after because you've got a bit of a forecast from my point of view the reason why we're kind of focusing more on the session stuff is because i know that's the kind of thing we shift more of and in my kind of ideal world that's how everybody works but yeah. i know that's probably not true i know that some bars probably have some real like people who won't drink anything under seven and a half percent and just absolutely smash those 20 liter kegs of double ipa or imperial stout it's just like I say, we're kind of coming from it from a slightly selfish point of view is that we're kind oh, of... But, well, it makes perfect sense though, that you would do that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we kind of know our crowd and hopefully there's more bars that have a similar crowd to us. Let's talk about Unforgiven Sounds, Sean, which is the second beer this evening. This is your 5.4% Fruited Ghost. And the tasting notes I have for this one say 200 kilos of cherries and blueberries have gone into this ghost along with Halen Mon sea salt making this beer moorishly salty, fruity, and tart. Um, I actually think I can smell the salt in this, which you can't always with a ghost. This is really nice. I love cherries. I think cherries is an underrated fruit in sours. I mean, I know it's it's probably fairly widely used, so maybe that's a silly thing to say, but I I just love cherries in a beer. This has got just a nice level of tartness. Um, I love the level of salt in it. In fact, you know, I think um, if I were running a brewery, I don't think I'd brew any sours that weren't also salted because i just love the salt I, you know i think you know if you can 
get away with putting salt into a drink so it just makes people thirsty the moment they put the glass down so they've got to have another drink of it then i just don't see why you wouldn't do that it's almost like it's um it's a bit masochistic i think of me to wish for more salt in my beer because it just you know kind of just defeats the object of drinking it to some extent but i love it and this is a nice example so yeah another good beer what, what's the background to this one yeah i mean i've when we had the small pilot kit and it was in the bar during lockdown, I brewed the first goes that I'd brewed ever. Mm-hmm. And it was just an experiment in just kind of playing around with flavors and fruit in beer and the salt in the beer yep. and just trying to find something that would work, you know, hopefully moving forward to kind of brew something when we eventually open yeah. the brewery. And like I say, I definitely think you can smell the salt in a way. Mm. I, I kind of get what you mean. <laughs> it's kind of got that kind of like seaside, you know, you're on the beach kind of smell, maybe a bit of a breeze. And the fruit just works really well in there as well. I think mm. maybe if it was just cherry or just blueberry, maybe wouldn't quite work. But I think both of those kind of fruits really complement each other. Mm-hmm. I'm really, really happy with it. I think it's we've gone in there with it's a nice base quantity of fruit that we can kind of build from and probably the next fruited sour kind of goes or sour that we do we'll probably change up the malt bill a tiny little bit just to tweak that and maybe use okay. a little bit more fruit and maybe a little bit lighter hmm. but i think this really delivers on that that we're trying to brew beers that aren't sold in thirds we want people to get a bigger bigger serving of it at the end of the day i think you, if you put in something in a 440 ml can somebody should be going into a bar and ordering a two-thirds or a pint of that beer yeah. and i think this I think is We've not gone to the levels of kind of slushy, which again, really fun. I enjoy, I like buying those beers. Me and my wife drink those beers at home and we're like, <laughs> we'll have a half of a can each and we'll, you know, maybe buy a few and we really enjoy them. Yeah. Um, but this beer is definitely, it's not too heavy. It's actually, the body on it's quite light, hmm. but there's loads of fruit flavor in there and you definitely get the hit, hit of cherry in there. And I think the blueberry kind of rounds off that cherry flavor a little bit as yeah. well. And yeah. you've still got the salt. And we went we weren't fairly easy on the salt on this one. I probably could have put more salt in there. But again, what we're doing is like it's one of those things that people say, but but we're going on a bit of a journey with the way that we brew beers. And the next time we brew a goes, it will be better than this beer. There'll be a tweak to it which will make it better. And again, some people might go, actually, preferred the first goes that you did than preferred this one. Again, it's kind of taste, but I think there's definitely tweaks that I can see to this beer, but I am really, really happy with it as our like first fruited beer. Mm. We use Philly Sour, which is the first time I've used right. that yeast before. Yeah. And I liken it to, just because I could sample the beer as we were kind of going along, before the fruit goes in, there's like a real apple flavour that you get from it, and you get a nice sour to it. Not too mm. sour, but in the kind of right direction, I think, for kind of like an entry-level sour, I suppose. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think it, it it works really well. And like you say, like, not just from a throwing, putting salt in so people drink more of it, but... It, you put salt on food for a reason it's because oh, it enhances yeah flavor. it's a flavor enhancer yeah yeah definitely. yeah and i think if that this beer was just a fruited sour we would need to use more fruit in there to bring those fruit flavors out but right. the salt definitely kind of picks up those kind of flavors it's nice and bright yeah i've had people who tried this beer who i know don't like sour beers and they say you know what i'm not going to go and buy loads of it but i really enjoy it it's got the right level of fruit and sour and salt for even somebody who maybe says they don't like sour beers, nice. that they would drink it and really enjoy it. And they've maybe bought it for the partner and took it home and they've loved it. And I'm, you know, they've WhatsApped me to say that it was great. And again, I think, you know, sometimes these beers are maybe seen as being a little bit more niche, but talking to bottle shop owners, 
which I did before we brewed this beer. And I was like, look, I know that I can sell pails and I know that I can sell New England IPAs or West Coast IPAs. Oh, what I'll brew something a little bit different and I've got a few ideas. What do you think? And they were like, look, if you're if you've got a red fruited sour or goes in your kind of range, hmm. people will buy that. That's so, yeah. We have people who only come in and buy sour beers. Hmm. We have only people who will come in and buy a sour beer if it's red fruits. They won't go for like a mango one or a, they just that they just love that kind of flavour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was just like, you know what? I've got the idea for doing something with cherry. Hmm. Let's use it at blueberry just to try and round that flavour as well. So like you do with hops, yeah. you're gonna use two or three four varieties of hops to round some flavours, create a bit more kind of of an interesting flavour. Hmm. And the um, yeah, the cherry and blueberry just seem like an obvious an obvious kind of mix, just thinking about those apple pies you used to get, but the fruit ones, like maybe yeah. blackcurrant and cherry and mm. maybe not blueberry, but it just, yeah, it kind of like, that was the kind of start point. And yeah, the Philly sour just kind of threw up some flavours that I didn't expect it to do in the base beer. And it's definitely lent, like, yeah, plenty of flavour to this one. But again, still really easy drinking. You could drink a can of that and go back and grab another one and maybe not think too much about it. I think I think this has worked out really well. And this is if it's your first uh, fruited beer of, of any description, then I think you did a great job of it. Bows very well for the future, I would say, Sean. Thank you very much. But what have you guys got coming up beer wise? Uh, you know, you mentioned you got a couple of IPAs in tank at the moment. What what, what are you going to be releasing in the next few weeks? Yeah, so we're canning again second week of Feb. Is that it's a mobile can, presumably, or? Yeah, so the wonderful guys at them that can. Oh, um, yes, yeah, I was, uh... Andy, Andy, <laughs> I was hoping Andy. you'd say that, yeah. Yes, yes, <laughs> Andy's been over to us a few times now. And again, just those guys coming in, you pick up bits of detail that you maybe don't have do. already. Yeah. And we've definitely, you know, we improved our second beers with definitely improvement on the first ones. And then the next ones will hopefully be improvement on that as well. Yeah. We've got a West Coast IPA, which is 6%, and we've got a kind of hazy New England-style IPA, which is, again, 6%. Nice. Shot for the same ABV, obviously different malt bills. We've used different hops rather than kind of doing that thing of using the same ones mm-hmm. in the sort of two different style beers. But they're kind of tasting great already. Like, did we, we're, again, have used a bit of the process that we use for the uh, My Name is Pam Pale on the right. New England style. We've already hit that with a bit of dry hop over the weekend. I went in Saturday and Sunday just to make sure I was kind of getting it at the right point. Nice. And I'm really excited about these two beers. Um, the first beers, two beers that we brewed that went into keg, one was a pale ale and one was a 6% West Coast IPA. Mm-hmm. The West Coast IPA is probably the best feedback out of any of the beers we've got. It was great, but it was complete. I just didn't expect it. I, I, I don't right. know. I, 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 again, it's one of those things of thinking, you know, the market that you're selling beer to and then you sell it and you go, actually, I'm stupid. <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't know the people that I know, like with people coming into the bar or again, people, just regulars who know us really well, who will just drop us a message on WhatsApp to say, you know, sometimes it'll be, it was in the bar tonight, new guy you've got or new girl you've got in the bar was brilliant, like thumbs up. Mm. And it was just like West Coast IPA, 6%. I had like three, four pints of it. And I know these people normally drink 3.2%, 4% pale ales. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to these two beers coming out. Where's the best place for people to get their hands on some assembly beers then, sure? So yeah, at the minute we launched the web store last week. So that's mm-hmm. um, assemblybrew.co slash web store. We've got bits going out all the time and we try and post things on Instagram if we've got beers going a little bit further afield just so people know where to get them. Right. Um, on Instagram, we're Assembly Brew Co, so we're pretty easy to find. On Twitter, 
we annoyingly are assembly underscore Bruco because the other one was taken by somebody yeah, who doesn't there's, use there's, 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 Well, there's a few American uh, variations on assembly brewery as well, aren't there, which is a, most so, I guess, a challenging. It's one of those things you just take what you can get on the socials and you just have to deal with it. But yeah, it, we're really easy to find. Obviously, if you're in Manchester, we're in Ermston for the bar where you can grab beers. Um, I'm going to be opening Saturdays, hopefully every Saturday going forward for a couple of hours until the tap room opens just for any web shop sales people can collect or they yep. can just come in and grab beers. This is at, at the brewery at Spur, Spur Mill? At the brewery in Spur yep. Mill, yeah. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then we've got a beer out there in Moth at the moment in the city centre. Oh, nice. Yeah, I yeah, love Bearmoth, yeah. Um, it's a bit further out, so Dexter and Jones over in Nutsford have taken quite a nice. bit. Nice, yeah, great. Stop yep. for us. Fairly local at the moment. We've had a few people get in touch who are a little bit further afield. Hmm. We've, I mean, we've extended it by an extra week just because we know things have been tough in Jan. So if you are a trade customer, we're doing free courier on cans or kegs until the end of the month. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. So that kind of works. Mm-hmm. Web shop-wise as well. So by the time this goes out, there will be a discount code on there for people who have been listening to the podcast that can pick up. So right. it will be... Yeah, so TWICB20 will be on there as a 20% discount code. Oh, fantastic. So, um, Very generous. Thanks, Sean. It's, it's one of those if you're... If you spend... Delivery is a flat rate at the minute. So if you're spending 30 quid, your 20% off just knocks off your delivery charge, essentially. Yeah. Spending any more, obviously you're saving a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, that with the, the trade side of things as well for any kind of bottle shops and bars that are up and down the country listening, if you get in touch with us via email or touch base through the social channels... Yeah. yeah, until the 31st of Jan, we're, we're sending all the courier stuff out free of charge, just Brilliant. as a little... That's a nice gesture, yeah. a, We're yeah. a new brewery, we want to try and promote what we're doing, and January is a tough month, so you've got to kind of do something to differentiate what you're doing Definitely. from other breweries, and yeah, everybody loves a cheeky discount, don't they, let's be honest. Of course they do, yeah, I love it, well done, yeah, I like that. Right then, let's get into the home straight, and we'll start with the shout-out to the little guy. Here I ask you to name one or more local to... Stockport or Greater Manchester beer businesses that you think are doing a great job promoting independent craft beer. And that can be another brewery, a tap room, a pub, a bottle shop, or maybe a restaurant or cafe, but somebody that is focused on independent craft beer. Firstly, I just want to say thanks to everybody who's brought our beer so far, whether they're a direct customer or a trade customer. I think, you know, being from a bar background, I know it's difficult to kind of take a punt on a brewery that maybe you don't know or don't have have a illustrious background of previous having worked at this brewery or that brewery so it's a you know we we appreciate everyone who's bought our beer so far in Ermston we've got a bottle shop it's called Craft Brutique okay around around the corner from our bar Jay who runs that place is just the one of the best guys you'll ever meet nicest guys in in beer is again it's that sometimes underestimated thing about a bottle shop that you're getting advice off people about buying beer and Definitely. sometimes I'll sit in there and there'll be people come in and ask about beer and maybe have absolutely no idea what they want. They don't even know what the person they're buying for wants, but he'll find three or four beers mm. that will kind of please anybody who's looking for a drink. Nice. No, we're lucky to have people like that, that's for sure. Yeah. I'd say the other one is, like, obviously I've mentioned about we have a our next-door neighbour, Ventile yep. Bruco, and there's also another brewery in Reddish called Thirst Class Ales, mm. a little bit further away from where we are, but still in Reddish. Yeah, there's a few other bars and places that are kind of really local to us as well. Whether it's in Levenshume and you've got Nordy and you've got Station Harp and round the corner from us, like ten minute walk, you've got Heat and Hops yeah. and Bottle. Also, like there's just a real nice. You could walk around those bars in one day, and the, and the breweries once the tap rooms are kind of operational and kind of a really nice afternoon out. That's what we're saying like, there. Yeah. yeah, you can mix in some more modern craft 
beer bars and there's some more traditional bars and pubs along the way. And I just think, like I said earlier about that kind of creating like a bit of a local vibe. Oh yeah. I think yeah. all those places are, we're benefiting from that now. Like they were here first. Right. And we moved into the area and we knew moving into the area that that bar is a 20 minute walk. It's an that established, established marketplace. Yeah. That's nice They've kind of put in the hard yards for us to be yeah. able to come in. And it's nice that the area has got a few breweries, but we probably couldn't do that without those guys being there first. So, right. you know, if you're in the kind of Stockport, greater Stockport area, you've got some really good craft beer bars and bottle shops and restaurants just to get out there and go and see and find, spend some money in them. And yeah, come and see us while you're there as well. Brilliant. Well, I'll uh, try and grab the websites or the, the online presence of, of each of those businesses and put them in the show notes of the podcast. So next time people are up the old way, they can actually put together that little uh, little Stockport or greater Stockport tour. Definitely. And, uh, have that experience. Perfect. Then we are at the wrap-up question, Sean. And here, I need to know what would be your ultimate happy hour. I need to know where you would be, who you would be with, and what specific beer would you be drinking? Right. So I, I, did have, I had to have a good scramble about this one because as I think you've spoken to people about it before. Like sometimes it's not the beer, it's the occasion or where you are and who you're with. And it can be like a pint of Australia and it's just as good as something else because of the company you're with. Sometimes I let people get away with that and sometimes <laughs> I, I give them a hard but time about it. Depends I'm not, how convincing I'm, they are, yeah. I'm not going down that route today. Or right. <laughs> I was involved earlier in the day of this kind of. It's basically my throwback. It would be a throwback for something to happen again. Okay. So we, yeah. in the first year of the assembly being open, maybe we kind of made some friends through the bar, and we decided to let's do an away day. You know, we'll go to London or we'll go to Bristol and we'll go and get some beers and have a really good weekend. Which then turned into everybody booking flights to Barcelona <laughs> instead. Yeah. So we went to Barcelona and nice. there was maybe 12 of us hmm. and we got an Airbnb and we got off the plane. We went to, got into the center of Barcelona. We did have that dreaded pint of Australia, but it was amazing because we were all away together. Yep. And then we kind of did a few bars and I'd been to Barcelona before. So we love this bar and brewery already, but we went to garage Yep. and we all got soup Mm. and everybody was already nicely lubricated from the rest of the kind of afternoon <laughs> and it was just like the perfect place and time to be there and the beer was just, just brilliant to, just to tip you over the edge into oblivion yeah yeah, yeah and it's just like new friends old mm. friends me and my wife were there as well and we just all had a really really good time and yeah i i love garage i, I can't wait to go back to barcelona this no, year at some absolutely. point and and yep. drink at the, at the tap room and the bar. Good answer. Um, sometimes it can be less about the beer, but I just think that was like the perfect kind of storm of things happening. We were in Barcelona. It yep. was March. The weather was awful at home at the time. It was really nice there. <laughs> we were drinking really, really good beer, and there was 12 just really cool people just drinking at the same time. Fantastic. That sounds good to me. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, Sean, it's been a lot of fun. Thanks very much for your time. Really enjoyed your Digging into your background, it's certainly not the the average conversation on this podcast. So you've really come from a from an interesting direction. Seems like you're making great progress with both the brewery and the and the rest of the hospitality business. So looking forward to, to seeing how it develops. And uh, next time I'm up your way, I should certainly make the effort to come and say hello. Most definitely. Cheers, Rob. Good.
Commencing in the spring of 2022, This Week in Craft Beer will be running meticulously curated long weekend tours to the world's most exciting craft beer cities in partnership with some of the UK's leading craft breweries. Destinations will include New England, Brooklyn, Miami and Brussels. If you fancy joining a small tour party led by a leading UK craft brewer as we experience a packed long weekend of meet the brewer and tutor tastings at some of the leading craft breweries on the planet, please pay close attention to our newsletter and website. 